Hi again, everybody. Thanks for checking out LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. On this edition of Employment Notebook, retirement and the fear of running out of money is on the table. We've enlisted a true expert in the field to help gain some perspective on the subject. His name is Les Zarka. He's the CEO, founder, and co-owner of Zarka Financial, and we're happy to have him with us right now. Les, thanks a lot for coming on LJN Radio. My pleasure. I wanted to say that I've seen a lot of articles, you hear a lot of things about people more and more delaying their retirement or not even retiring at all, just working all the way up until uh, they pretty much can't anymore. What do you believe is causing this so-called fear of retirement or, or this uncertainty of whether or not they should retire or when they should retire? Well, I think there's a, a number of factors that go into this. One is that it, it is a legitimate fear. I mean, um, you know, if you look at, I've, I've been doing retirement planning for 30 years. I mean, it's a completely different world today than it was, you know, 30, 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. If you look at someone that was retiring back then, most of the, I mean, a lot of those folks had monthly pensions coming from a large corporation or utility that they'd worked for. So, you know, so they had Social Security plus a nice pension coming in. Sure. You know, you're looking at since that time, people are, are living much longer. And not only are they living longer, but they're living healthier, which means that, you know, if, if I'm in my 70s and 80s, I'm still playing golf. I'm still doing things <laughs> that need to take money. It's not something that you're just sitting at home on a rocking chair, you know, waiting for, you know, the Grim Reaper to, to call on you. Right. And then the third thing is on the investment environment. I mean, you know, think about this. 30 years ago, you were getting double digits on a CD. Hmm. So if you had $100,000, you're getting $10,000 a year in interest. Today on that same $100,000, you know, you're probably getting about $500 Oof, a yeah, year in sure. interest. You combine those and, and of course people, and especially, you know, you look at the last you know, 15 years, we've seen two 50% drops in the stock market. You throw all this into a bucket and then, you know, someone that's looking at the prospects of retiring now is like, you know, holy cow, how am I going to make this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm living longer. I need more money. I'm in an investment environment where, you know, it's scary as heck out there and, I, and my safe money, bank money, you know, things like that isn't earning anything. So a lot of folks are delaying their retirements because they're just very, very unsure what's going on. And they figure, well, you know, the devil I know is better than the devil I don't. If I keep working, at least I got a paycheck coming in. I don't have to rely quite as heavily on my investments. And so they're just putting off retirement. So you would say then this is all legitimate as far as the concern. Sometimes people think it's, you know, the media is drumming stuff up or it's just in people's heads, but you see a legitimate issue for a lot of people right now. Oh, there's no question. I, I mean, I, like I said, I've been doing this, you know, for 30, 33 years now. And, you know, when I sit down with someone many, many times, my recommendation is don't retire, mm. you know, keep working for a few more years. Right. And usually the big issue is that, you know, they may have accumulated a nice amount of money. They may have, you know, that half a million or million dollars or whatever. But when you translate that into how much income that money can actually produce in this, you know, in this 0% interest rate environment, it's staggering. Sure. Believe this or not, today you would need about eight times as much money to retire. Wow. To have the same income as you did just in, in 2007. 2007, really? Holy because God. interest rates, I mean, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, you know, in 2007, a six month CD on $100,000, you're getting $6,000, sure, $500 a month. Today, you're getting maybe about $40 a month. Yeah. When you, know, when you break it down like that, and especially, you know, that short time frame here, I'm thinking you're going to say, you know, as compared to 1990 or whatever, but you're talking oh. just uh, eight years ago. That is a little concerning. Let's talk about a little bit, if you can fill the people in 
on maybe some of the thoughts, the strategies, the activities that do lead people into sort of creating their own situation where they are likely to run out of money or they can't retire. Are there certain things that you see people doing that are essentially bad habits and get them into this poor situation? Yeah, there's the the pre-retirement bad habits and then the post-retirement bad habits. Okay. So the pre-retirement bad habits would be, quite frankly, just not saving enough. Hmm. Living for the day, carpe diem, seize the day, and you know they're spending money that in the, you know maybe in a previous generation would have been going into a four hundred one k. Today it's going into a car payment or a vacation home payment. They're shooting themselves in the foot in that they're just not taking that you know accumulating money seriously enough to have enough to be able to retire on. And especially you know a lot of the folks working today that twenty thirty years ago would have had a monthly pension don't have one today. All right. they're getting is their company's contribution to the four hundred one k. So I would say spending habits is probably one of the biggie. You know people just aren't saving enough. They're spending too much. A lot of people are debt financing their lifestyles. You know to make it even worse. So mm-hmm. not only are they not saving, but they're racking up debt. So there's a lot of things, you know, pre-retirement that people are doing that are shooting themselves in, in the foot. And then post-retirement is just not being realistic about how much they can really afford to, to spend. You know, they've got a lifestyle in mind that they would like to have. And the reality is that the numbers don't work out that they can have that kind of income, yet they still insist on it. So they're taking way too much money out of their investments and they're putting themselves in the potential jeopardy that they're just basically going to run out of money. What I tell folks is that, you know, a lot of folks, the risk isn't that they're going to die too soon. The risk in retirement is that they live too long right? (laughs) and they simply outlive their income. You know, so the good news is I'm still alive. The bad news is I wish I was dead because I, you know, I don't have any money left. (laughs) That is an interesting perspective, but it does make sense on a lot of levels. Is there a way then to gauge at various ages within your life that maybe you'd feel like, okay, I am going to be okay. Any sort of magic number or percentages that people could refer to and saying, okay, if I'm here, this is where I should be looking at financially. Is there anything like that? Hey, unfortunately not. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, the holy grail. What's the magic formula right. you know, that you can plug in? Because you know, a lot of it also has to do with, you know, what job or what occupation you've chosen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the question I always get is, well, how much does a person on average need to have to have a comfortable retirement? Well, it's going to depend on how much they wanted in terms of monthly income and also what their sources are going to be. So for example, if I'm self-employed or if I work for a company that doesn't have a monthly pension plan, so all I'm going to get is social security. Well, then that person needs to accumulate a lot more in investments because a lot you know, it has to generate more monthly income. Right. Someone that works for the federal government or they work for the state or they're a teacher or something like that, where they're going to get a nice monthly pension, then they don't have that same pressure to have to accumulate as much on the side. So that's why it's so hard to say, you know, there's no magic number because it really depends on what your sources of income are going to be, you know, in addition to, you know, what, whatever social security you may have. Right. If you want to just a very, very rule, uh, rough rule of thumb, someone that's younger, you know, that's in their 20s or 30s, if you can put away 10 to 12% of your pay okay. into like a 401k or something that's in retirement, you're putting yourself in a very, very good position that you're going to have a comfortable retirement. Now, obviously, there's going to be other factors that come into play. Sure. But if you can be disciplined at a younger, you know, younger age or early on in your career to put a high percentage away, you should be okay. Uh, again, I think that's great just to have any sort of guideline. And of course, if people want you know hard numbers and look at their own personal situation, uh, that's why we have experts like you, of course, to try to get in touch with. Now, let's say that it has gotten late in the game for somebody, you know, maybe they are kind of looking at a a precarious situation in terms of their money versus the years that are left to live, like you kind of talked about, and they should essentially be retiring or it should be happening soon. 
are there any things that people can do to sort of quickly get themselves into a better situation if they are up there in age? I mean, is it is it just a matter of delaying that retirement? Are there are there sort of high risk strategies they could take that uh, you know maybe could speed things up, or are we already past that point if you're if you're older in that way? Frankly, the last thing I'd recommend if someone you know feels that they're already a l- little bit behind in the game, it would be a high risk strategy mm-hmm. because that can very quickly put you into a desperation situation sure. as well. Sure. So I would say, you know, almost the opposite. Okay. Is that if you're if you're way behind, you would probably there's things you can control. Right. And there's things you can't control, and so you want to focus on those things you can. So if someone's late in the game, the first thing I would recommend is take take a very hard critical look at where your money's actually going. What are you spending things on? Because what you don't want to have happen is, you know, let's say you're currently living on you know four thousand dollars a month. And then you go into retirement a year or two or three years from now, and all of a sudden you have to drastically cut that back to $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. What you want to try to do is position yourself during the remaining years that you have to work is to, number one, cut back those fixed expenses. And when you look at your money going out the door, there's there's two categories. We break it down into discretionary and non-discretionary. So non-discretionary is your fixed expenses, utilities, mortgage, food, insurance, those kinds of things. Right. Discretionary are things like entertainment, things that you do have some control over or how much you spend on gifts, you know, presents or you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. The strategy would be that I, when I sit down with these types of situations is, okay, so what can we do over the next two or three or four years that you're still working? to cut back on those fixed expenses. Okay. And it may entail, well, you know, let's downsize the house so that we cut the mortgage payment down. You know, you cut down the utility bills, the taxes. What can we do on that fixed expense side to get it down? And at the same time, you know, what can you do between now and then to try to increase your savings as much as possible? Now, I'll tell you, saving, even if it's a lot more over a relatively short period of time, like two or three years, isn't going to have a material effect on your retirement. Right. You really need to start that early on. Cutting your expenses will have a much bigger impact on being able to salvage that retirement. So going into retirement, you want to try to get down those fixed expenses as low as possible. Sure. And that's kind of the other part we wanted to discuss was the idea of, you know, we don't want anyone, of course, to be in that situation where it feels like it's too late or it's getting to that point. So how early should someone really be starting to think about their finances for retirement? I mean, what do you suggest? Well, <laughs> the obvious answer is you want to start at the day the day you you get your first job. Sure. Yeah, because the reason I would say that is number one, you want to start developing good habits. Bad hab or good habits are just as easy to develop as bad habits. Mm-hmm. So if you can your first job out, and it may not be the whole ten percent, you know, because obviously you're not going to be making a whole lot of money at that point with your first job, more than likely. Put away five percent. Put something away into your four hundred one k. Because I'll tell you what's going to happen is. Once you start seeing that account balance grow, it gets addictive. Sure. And you really, and then you now, now you're starting to form this pattern of, you know, gee, I kind of like this. You know, I only, <laughs> I've only been in this plan for two or three years and I already have $20,000. So maybe I'll put a little bit more into it. So I would just say that the earliest, the earlier you can start, the, the much better off you're going to have. The other thing it'll do, frankly, is it'll give you a lot more options at the end. Sure. You know, I've got clients today that have, that have been very disciplined in their lives. And they've always put some money aside. They're sitting at 58 or 59 right now. And you know what? They can retire. Or they got let go by a job. And instead of panicking, because now they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I lost my job. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to retire. <laughs> but that that was because of the decisions that they made 30 years ago. Right. That allowed them to put yourself in a position where you can say, yeah, you know what? If life deals me a you know crappy hand, I it, it's not going to affect me. I can laugh at it. 
Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think just to people need to always hear that, even just be reiterated a little bit about the starting early and understanding that, you know, the cliche being it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that, uh, you know, obviously, what you, as you said, the good habits you form early are going to really help you down the road. Let's say somebody is a little maybe in the middle of their career or maybe somewhat early, but they never really they never really were thinking about it. They really didn't get started. What would you suggest as some small steps to at least start in the right direction? Because maybe they're unsure about what exactly to do. Is saving, as you mentioned, saving, is that enough just to be saving? Investments? I mean, what do you talk about as far as maybe a small step to get somebody going in that right direction? Well, the first step I would say is at least get an idea of what path you're on. You okay. know, figure out, okay, so ba- based on what I've already put into my 401k, you know, even if it's a little bit, based on what I'm already putting in right now, I might only be putting in a couple percent plus the company match. We just run the numbers and say, okay, if you didn't change anything at all, right. and then you, you know, let's say you're 40 and you retired in 20 years, where would that put you? That's where I call your reality check. You know, so at that point, you look at that and say, great, I'm going to have $2,000 a month to live on. Man, that's disappointing. So, okay, so let's go back and say, well, what is it that you'd like to have? Okay, well, I'd like to have 4000 Fine, mm-hmm. let's reverse engineer it. What do you have to put away today? Right. Because if you can put concrete numbers to it, it's a lot easier to achieve a goal. You know, it's kind of like if you sat down and said, well, I'd like to lose some weight. Right. And then you say, well, I'm going to go, you know, versus I say, I have a wedding coming up in three months and I need to lose 15 pounds. You know, if I work it backwards, that means I need to lose four pounds a week or whatever it is. If you set more definitive goals, that are measurable. It's a lot easier to achieve those than if you just set this nebulous number of, well, I'd like to have a comfortable retirement. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to define that. How much income, you know, what does that mean for you? How much monthly income? What are your sources going to be? What does that mean that I need to be saving on a monthly basis? Because once you have a more definitive plan, it's a lot easier to stick to it. Sure. Uh, that does make sense. And as you said, it follows kind of that path in every walk of life, at least is trying to figure out to reaching those goals. I was given a note that you're kind of seen as the financial psychologist, uh, <laughs> yeah. which I, I love that. I think that's a great term. Uh, but I did want to ask, in general, do people seem a little hesitant to get that reality check or really sit down and crunch the numbers? Because I don't know, it seems like that is a very big step. And people I talk with, it seems like they don't necessarily do that. You know, it's interesting. Folks that have taken their finances more seriously are much more likely to sit down with, with an advisor. Okay. And a person who's done no planning. And I think the psychological reason is, is that if I don't want someone to reaffirm that I'm hopeless, hmm. yeah. it's kind of like the guy that, that, you know, has got really high blood pressure, cholesterol off the charts, you know, he's, you know, hundred pounds overweight. He's the one that doesn't want to go to the doctor or the gym. Have you ever noticed in a gym, the people that are in the gym are the ones that really don't even need to be in a gym. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I think it's the same thing with finances. People that have, you know, that take it more seriously are more likely to get the help. It's the ones that we're not seeing are the ones that really should be coming in. Mm-hmm. But I think they're kind of, they're afraid of getting the bad news. Is there maybe an embarrassment factor to it as well? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Some, okay. some, especially when we get into some, you know, when there's a huge credit card issue. Right. Not too long ago, a couple months ago, um, a couple came in and they had like $92,000 of credit card debt. They're paying $22,000 a year just in interest. Wow. Now, they're, I mean, they, you know, talk about being embarrassed. I mean, they, they struggled with just even coming up to, you know, talking about that subject. Sure. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure part of it is, is embarrassment. But I think more of, I think a larger part is that people just, you know, if they know they're going to get bad news, it's like putting off a doctor appointment because, you know, you might, you might be sick. Right, right. You know, if, if he doesn't tell me that I, then it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And I'm sure we can all relate to the people we know that, that have that same mentality. So I think in the same way here, it sounds like it does translate to the financial side of things as well. 
Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of times we are preaching to the choir. It's the ones that aren't in the church that, that should be there. Sure. Well, uh, hopefully, you know, with this show and uh, and some of the others that we're going to have a bunch of people from your organization on, uh, you know, people will be listening and pay attention and it will help them take a step in that correct direction. Uh, Les, again, appreciate you coming on. I wanted to give you the floor here at the end, again, as the financial psychologist. What would you offer up to the listeners out there? Any last words of advice or strategies, uh, something we didn't touch on, or just anything at all that you wanted to emphasize as we wrap up? I, I guess my best message would be is, is don't put things off. The quicker you address a problem, the easier the solution is going to be. The longer you put it off, the harder it is going to be to solve it. So get the, you know, if, if you're not comfortable doing it yourself, there's a lot of financial calculators you can use out there online. If you're not comfortable using that, if you know, then get some professional help. But definitely take your finances seriously because the longer you put it off, you know, the harder it is going to be to solve that problem. And most of these problems are easily solvable just given enough time. I think some excellent words of wisdom there. Les, thank you once again for coming on, sharing your insight. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. Unfortunately, we are all out of time on this edition of Employment Notebook. Once again, we'd like to thank Les Zarka for joining the show. Les is the CEO, founder, and co-owner of Zarka Financial, and he gave us some great insight on the ideas of retirement and the fear of running out of money. If you have any feedback about this show, or maybe you have an idea for a future episode, shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN, and you can find all of our LJN Radio episodes on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. For everyone at the Local Job Network, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. 